Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Stephanie Chandler. She is the author of the nonfiction book marketing plan and also a book called Own Your Niche. Uh, her website is authoritypublishing.com. Welcome to the show, Chat Stephanie. Thanks so much, Jordan. Great to be here. Let's start with your background a little bit and how you got to uh, create the expertise in both marketing books and owning uh, people's niches. Yeah, well... It's kind of an accidental background. I'm a Silicon Valley refugee. I left there back in 2003, opened a 2,800-square-foot bookstore in Sacramento and thought I was going to sit in the back office and write novels. And uh, that was a rude awakening when I realized, first of all, that uh, I lacked the imagination to write fiction. And second of all, I hated running a retail business. <laughs> so um, I took some detours. I had my Silicon Valley friends asking, you know, how do we get out, find life after corporate America? They wanted to quit their jobs and kind of do what I had done, and I was inspired by that. So that's where it really started. I wrote my first book. It was a business startup guide. I launched a website called businessinfoguide.com because an agent told me, nobody knows who you are. You've got to go out and build an audience. And uh, I basically started blogging before I knew what blogging was and building my audience that way. And that led to several traditional book deals and invitations to speak and consult. And I was able to sell uh, my store and consult full-time. And then I decided to help other people basically do what I had done with getting a book into the world and building an audience online and started Authority Publishing in 2008. So it's been kind of a wild, unexpected journey, but I've loved every moment of it. Sounds great. So let's start with the overall picture here. Uh, why is it important for somebody to, as you put it, own their own niche? Uh, and what can that lead to business-wise if you do own your own niche? Well, I think what happens is a lot of business owners are afraid that, that if they cast a net that's too small, they're going to miss opportunities. And I disagree. I think it works exactly the opposite. If you cast a net too wide, you have a harder time connecting with people. So, you know, let's take, for example, you know, life coaches. There's a lot of them out there. Um, very general services for a lot of them. And I was at an event not too long ago where a woman stood up and introduced herself, and she said, I'm a coach for baby boomers who want to lose weight. And I thought, wow, that is a great example of a niche that's still a, a broad audience. It's a, a large enough audience that she could really make a, a splash in that audience and can really stand out against her competitors who are perhaps working with anyone who wants to lose weight. So I'm a big believer in narrowing your focus, choosing a niche audience so that you better connect with the people that you most want to serve. And so how do you find a niche? Uh, is it based on what you love or your education? or what, How do people connect with the niches that are most appropriate to them that they think they could also monetize? Yeah, well, you know, you start with looking at your current client base. Is there a pattern there? Are there a group of people that you enjoy working with? Is there a niche that's, you know, growing economically? You know, through this crazy economy, um, the healthcare industry has been thriving. So maybe, you know, that's a niche for you. But you do definitely want to do your research, make sure that you're choosing a niche that um, is not in a downturn or that's struggling and um, spend that time to search for industry data and also look into your current client base to see, you know, what the patterns are there, what are your opportunities. It takes some time to really carve that out. Do you think there are still niches available? I mean, there's so many people out there who have established so many niches in so many areas. Are there still a lot of niches that have not been claimed? There are niches that haven't been claimed, and there's also room for more than one person in a niche, right? I mean, you know, look at every one of us in business has a competitor, right? At least one, if not, you know, ten or a hundred of them. Um, so there's always room for more. And, you know, I think of, if I know a financial advisor, she specializes in working with divorced women. You know, that's a great niche. I'm sure she's not the only one in the country who does that. 
So remember that there's still going to be competition. Competition is a healthy thing. I think it helps you elevate what you do and do it well. Um, so don't be afraid to, to go out there and, and, you know, put a stake in the ground. Then you say once you've established your niche, the next thing you need to do is establish authority in your field. Um, if you're already established, I can see how people do that. But how about it's somebody who's not yet fully established? How can they establish authority in their field? Yeah, well, that's where you want to basically demonstrate yourself as an expert in what you do. And there's a number of ways you can accomplish that. Um, you might go out and speak, you know, speak to local groups, start there. Um, certainly today, a website with a blog is a really powerful way to stand out um, and reach an audience. Um, also, writing a book. A book is, you know, one of the biggest credibility builders there is. I don't have to tell you that. I know you're an author as well. Right. You know, a, a book opens doors and really um, changes the perception of you. I have a client. He's a, a financial advisor, and, and he said when he's out socializing, he no longer introduces himself as a financial advisor. He introduces himself as an author. But, you know, people have a much different reaction. They want to know more. Tell us all about what you do. And so that book is such a quick way to really um, get people's attention. You say blogging is an important part. There's so many, there are probably millions of blogs out there today. How do you uh, get a blog uh, that's read, that it creates a uh, buzz, that's not kind of lost in the, the black hole of the Internet these days? Yeah, that's a fear for a lot of people that it's just going to get lost because there is a lot of content out there. Um, but I view that as an opportunity. It's an opportunity to stand out because there's a lot of noise happening in the world of blogging, in the world of social media. So what you want to do with your blog is make sure it's unique. Uh, write really compelling titles. Titles are so important. They make people want to read. And if you think about the um, magazines at the checkout stand of your grocery store, they have really compelling article titles that make you want to read. So you want to do that with your blog. The other thing is you need to be really consistent with blogging. And this is where I see a lot of people struggle. They feel like nobody's reading my blog. It becomes a low priority, and it doesn't get updated for weeks or months at a time. But if you actually commit to blogging at least twice a week, even more is better. But if you can do it twice a week, over time, you're going to draw more traffic from Google because Google likes to see websites with fresh content. One of the biggest mistakes you can make is let your website sit idle and not update it. So if you're adding two articles a week to your blog, Google is going to find those. And by the way, people who are searching for the information you're writing about are going to be more likely to find you because Google's going to serve that up in search results. So it's a really powerful way for you to start driving more traffic into your website, and that blog becomes the heart of your social media strategy. It gets shared. All of your new posts should be shared across, you know, Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and Google+. Um, so, you know, there's, to me, there's nothing more powerful than, than owning a blog online. So once you've established your authority, uh, you say the next step you need to do is to build your audience and engage your community. So how do you bring people into you who don't know about you um, and create a mailing list and kind of engage that community? Yeah, so you've got your blog as your foundation and you build your social media. You know, we are at such an advantage today because social media wasn't around when I started online. And today it just makes it so much easier to amplify your message. But I do, I'm glad you mentioned mailing lists. I think that's hugely important. Um, and people will tell you that email marketing is dead. It's not dead at all. It just is harder than it used to be, and you have to do it well to keep people interested. So I am a huge advocate. I tell all of my clients, immediately start building a mailing list, get a, you know, a system going with Constant Contact or one of the email service providers, and start adding people to that list. When you're out speaking, invite people to sign up for your mailing list. And then don't overwhelm them with email, right? Because, I mean, how much do we hate getting inundated with email? That's the quickest way that we're going to unsubscribe. So, you know, a good frequency is maybe once a month. Make sure you, you load that with lots of great content. Make it really interesting for your audience. And pay attention to the feedback you're getting. You know, years ago, I used to spend hours putting together my newsletter every month. It went on and on and on. It was huge. <laughs> and my goal was to provide a lot of value. And what I found as I started asking people was they loved the content, but it was completely overwhelming to them. And once I simplified and scaled that back, 
um, providing still great content, but it didn't doesn't go on forever, the readership actually went up. So pay close attention and really invest that time in cultivating that relationship with your audience. So you're saying less is more in a certain way in the email world. Oh, it really is. It absolutely is. If you think about the email you get, I know that I'm very quick to hit that unsubscribe button, and I'm not alone. Um, and if you're going to send me a weekly email, it better better be really worth it <laughs> to get that weekly email. Yeah. So from, from the provider's point of view, how do you avoid getting overwhelmed uh, by the reaction? I mean, you, you could spend your whole life responding to emails and all the things that you're generating. Uh, you still have to have a life as well. Well, you do. Um, and believe me, I struggle with that. I get two to 300 emails a day. Um, it's a challenge. You know, you, I've found that putting boundaries around my time has been very important. Um, and I hand as much off as I can to an assistant. Um, so, you know, you don't necessarily have to invite people to respond to your email newsletter. Um, you might link them to maybe a blog post and ask them for their responses there and try to contain that a little bit. I mean, it's inevitable that people are going to hit reply and want to reach out to you, and that's a good thing. That means you're connecting with them. Um, in my experience with thousands and thousands of, you know, people on my list, uh, the responses aren't overwhelming. It's just email in general that's <laughs> overwhelming. It is. So then you go on and say, now that you've done all this, uh, you want to uh, turn your website into a client conversion machine. I actually think before we get into that, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back into that, because now we've established people's authority. We've got a mailing list now. Monetizing this is a key part of it. Uh, my, my guest this hour is uh, Stephanie Chandler. She's the author of the nonfiction book marketing plan and also Own Your Niche. A website to find out more about her is authoritypublishing.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Stephanie Chandler. Uh, She's the author of uh, two books called Own Your Niche, Hype-Free Internet Marketing Tactics, and also a book called The Nonfiction Book Marketing Plan. Welcome back to the show, Stephanie. Thank you, Jordan. So we've established your authority. We've got a mailing list now. Uh, now, how do you, do you turn your website into what you call a client conversion machine? Yeah, well, that's kind of some fancy words for that. But basically, one of the big mistakes I see um, with small business owners is that their websites aren't really doing a great job of getting clients to contact them. So you want to really take an objective look at your website. When I land on your website, what are you asking me to do? Are you asking me to call you um, to, for a free consultation? Are you asking me to email you to set up a consultation? Are you asking me to make a purchase when I get on your site? Or are you not asking me to do anything? And that's another big issue. You want to have a call to action throughout the pages of your site. And that means that you're simply asking your site visitors to take some sort of next step. Now that you've learned about my services or now that you've learned about my products, here's what you can do. You can send an email request and we'll call you back. You can click here to buy this book, whatever the case may be. So you want to take a really objective look at your website and make sure that it's inviting people to, to take action because otherwise if you're just throwing out information and it's not really clear what you offer or how to obtain what you offer, you, all that traffic you're driving to your site is going to be wasted because you're not able to turn that into real business. 
So is it a good idea to have different tiers? Uh, you start off with a, a low-priced or even free newsletter of some kind, and then you move them up a little bit more, and then you have a high end. Is that there's a kind of a progression once people become um, familiar and and comfortable buying from you? Is that the way it should work? Yeah, I mean that's pretty classic um, sales funnel stuff. You want to you want to get them engaged. Uh, you know, these days in particular with free content, I think free is the magic buzzword. And then certainly, if you can find ways to offer various price points to get people kind of involved in what you do and build their loyalty. You know, it's a lot easier for me to get out my credit card and, and buy a $20 product from somebody I haven't heard from before than to get it out and spend $2,000 with you, right? So um, offering those different choices is absolutely a great strategy. You have a little section in the book on converting site visitors into buyers. What are some of the specific steps that can help people be converted into buyers? Yeah, well, there's that call to action, but there's also just the ability to make a purchase. And I, I kind of think back to, um, you know, my father's birthday, and I wanted to get him a gift certificate to his favorite golf course. And I got on the golf course website. I couldn't find anything on there about how to buy a gift certificate. And I thought, gosh, that's crazy. These days, that would be as simple as putting a PayPal button up on the website. And then I, I ended up calling them, and they they wouldn't sell it to me over the phone. They told me I had to come in while I live 100 miles away. <laughs> so, you know, they lost the sale. And so, um, you know, you're, you may be missing opportunities if you're not making it easy for people to do business with you. I see this a lot. You know, maybe you're holding an event, an, an upcoming seminar or workshop. Make it easy for people to register for that event. Don't tell them to click here and send you an email or call me to get registered. You're going to miss people. They don't want to take that extra step. So, you know, it's easier than ever to put e-commerce in place on your site um, or to create event registration buttons. Um, you're, you're really missing out if you're not doing those things. What are some of the um, uh, e-commerce um, machines that are out there that you think are good? Since people don't have to create this themselves. It already exists. What are Absolutely. some of the ones you think are good? Yeah, um, PayPal is great for basics. If you're just starting out and um, you want to charge for services um, or a physical book, for example, you can create a, a merchant button with PayPal, very uh, inexpensive. There's no upfront charge. They take their standard credit card transaction, which all the companies do. For digital products and things of that nature, I personally use uh, a system called eJunkie, and I'll spell that E-J-U-N-K-I-E. Terrible name, fantastic service. And the, the thing about it, if you're going to sell digital products like eBooks or downloadable reports, you want to use an e-commerce system that is set up to handle digital products. So what happens is when somebody buys one of my digital downloads, um, the shopping cart system automatically processes their transaction and sends a downloadable link that expires in a couple of days so that that link doesn't get passed around and and used by people it shouldn't be used by. So um, I really like eJunkie. Another popular one is oneshoppingcart.com. That's the number one, shoppingcart.com. And also for a really more of a high-end service, Infusionsoft has been a, a pretty popular option as well. Okay, so now we've got people coming to our site, buying things. Uh, we've established our authority. How do you increase the traffic that's coming to your, your site once you've got it up and running? Yeah, so, you know, it starts with some of the basics of search engine optimization or SEO. Um, the foundation for that is the key words that you're using on your website. And this is still very relevant today. You know, Google, Google has this technology called spiders that go out and crawl across websites to understand what the site is about. So let's say if you have a flower delivery service in Orlando, you want to have that phrase repeated on your website. So, for example, you know, flower delivery Orlando would be your keyword phrase for your homepage. And you would place that key phrase in the title of the page, in the headline of the page, repeat it at least twice in the content on that page, and use it as an image tag on a photo on that page. Now, the reason that you do this is because you want keyword concentration. That tells Google what that page is about. And what a lot of entrepreneurs miss out on is that you can assign a different key phrase to each and every page on your website. And you should do that. You should go through the exercise of figuring out 
what are people searching for that you offer, and how can you incorporate those phrases into your pages? That simple action alone is going to make a big difference. And then the other thing is what I mentioned earlier about Google wants to see fresh content on your website. So the more often you're updating your site, you're automatically improving your search engine optimization because Google views your site as relevant. You know, if you go to Google and you search for, you know, how to, how to grill a hamburger, you're, you're typically going to find results that are relatively current, probably written in the last three to six months, even though another site may have been around longer and wrote an article about it two years ago. It becomes less relevant because it's been written about more recently. So that's where that content is so important that if you're updating frequently, Google's going to start serving you up in those search results. You're going to see your traffic really start to take off. There are so many firms out there that say they can do search engine optimization, SEO, better, and they can uh, decode the Google algorithms and, and their all the tricks that Google's trying to play, they can figure these things out. Are those services necessary, or is it if you do what you just talked about, having keywords and so on, that's enough to get you to the top of the rankings? You know, it really depends on your business. Um, some businesses are highly competitive. I would start, if you know, if your budget is tight, I would start with doing what I just said. Those very simple strategies can have a big impact. And pay attention to the traffic that you're getting. Make sure you install... Um, Google Analytics onto your website, which is a free website traffic tracking tool, and it's going to show you, you know, the progression over time. Your traffic should be increasing, uh, and if it's not increasing, if you're really struggling with it, um, you then at that point, I would say, you know, hire an SEO firm, but be very careful. There are some good firms out there, but there are some lousy firms out there, and I would definitely recommend that you reach out and get a referral from maybe somebody who's worked with that firm before because you want to make sure you've got an ethical firm that's following a lot of the rules. Google has a ton of rules. They change all the time. Um, and you want to make sure you're working with a firm that's not doing some kind of shady things in the background. Because so I guess they can shut you down if they find you out, right? And you'll drop they the can. Pretty yes. Yeah, and there's things like other things that help improve um, traffic, incoming links. So the more websites that link to your website or have a link to your website on their sites, that actually tells Google your site is popular. So another strategy you should always be, you know, on the lookout for is an opportunity to get your website link featured on another website, more specifically on a site that's in your same industry. So, you know, if you have a site about rose gardening, then you want to have other gardening-related sites linking to your site. That's going to help with that overall traffic and Google's perception of your site as being popular. Now, what some of these um, SEO firms do is they go out and they get you what's called these backlinks, but they get them from low-quality websites. They they get traffic that you really don't want, they, these sites. And if you put a bunch out all at once, Google can see that as a red flag. So it could actually hurt you in the long run. So be really careful and, and you know, focus on some of the tactics that you can do on your own. What are some of the other scammy things that some of these SEO firms do that Google objects to that could get you closed down? Well, keyword stuffing is another one. You know, I, I talked about keyword concentration. You want to mention the key phrase, you know, a couple of times within the text on the page and in the headline. Um, what you don't want to do is repeat that keyword 15 times on the page or try to hide it or embed it into, um, you know, let's say you have a black background and you put the key phrase in, in black on the black background so that it can't be seen by the, the human eye. Uh, Google, that's, that's a black hat tactic. You don't want to keyword stuff your pages, and that will absolutely get you um, shut out of Google. So beware of those types of strategies. You want a firm that's getting you quality backlinks, that's going through each of your pages, tagging them appropriately, doing the keyword research to understand, you know, what keywords you're trying to get. Um, placement for. And they may also combine that with some um, advertising, you know, with Google AdSense, or I'm sorry, with um, Google AdWords, they can place ads that um, will get you shown at the top of searches as well. Now, the 
the big enchilada is when you can have an ad and an organic search result show up in the top 10, you're, you know, you're twice as likely to get a click. It uh, really helps with brand re- recognition. So some of these firms are really savvy with that. And also, Jordan, um, the social media stuff really helps with SEO. So, you know, getting back to that whole blog thing, as you share a new blog post on Twitter or Facebook or Google Plus or LinkedIn, uh, that adds another incoming link to your site. And if that post gets a lot of activity, let's say it gets a lot of likes on Facebook, a lot of comments, Google is paying attention to that as well on your Facebook business page. And that's increasing the ranking for that post. But social media it should absolutely be a big part of your SEO strategy. And an SEO firm that's not taking that into account is not up with what's happening today. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Stephanie Chandler. She's the author of two books, uh, Own Your Niche and The Nonfiction Book Marketing Plan. Uh, we'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest today is Stephanie Chandler, uh, the author of the nonfiction book Marketing Plan and also Own Your Niche. Welcome back to the show, Stephanie. Thank you, Jordan. You have a website, authoritypublishing.com, and we're going to talk about publishing books. What are some things people can find at that website, and what are some of the services you offer to people who want to publish books? Yeah, we do custom book publishing primarily for nonfiction books. So the goal there is to work with busy professionals who really want a professional-looking um, product. So we assist people in self-publishing uh, their nonfiction books, and we also provide social media marketing services uh, for authors and service-based businesses, consultants, attorneys, um, doctors, things like that. Okay, so you start your, your uh, book, which is called uh, The Nonfiction uh, Book Marketing Plan, to build a foundation, what kind of foundation do you need before you uh, write a book in the first place? Yeah, well, you know, we talked about the book being such a great tool for building your business. And part of that is getting that authority established in your field. You know, the bottom line is you need a website. You know, it's the first question I ask a potential client, do you have a website yet? You've got to get the website up and start building the audience before the book comes out, if, if at all possible, because where I see a lot of authors struggle is the book comes out and then they say, now what, right? I don't have a blog. I don't have social media. I don't have an audience. I don't have my own radio show, you know? And so you want to start putting those key pieces in place uh, well in advance of the book release, if at all possible. And if it's not possible, if you're, if you're sitting there listening to this and you have a book in hand and it's been out for several months or a year, you know, start now. Start putting these things in place. Get your blog up and running. Maybe host your own show or your own podcast or create YouTube videos. There's so many ways you can start doing that. 
What is the advantage today of doing an ebook over a traditional uh, paper book with a traditional publisher? Yeah, well, traditional publishing has changed dramatically over recent years. Um, first of all, they are not giving away book deals the way that they used to. And some of these big publishing firms might offer you a book deal and then require that you buy a thousand copies of your book at 50% off of retail. I mean, it's really highway robbery. What they're doing is making money off the authors they're serving. And so because of that, self-publishing has just exploded in recent years. More and more people are turning to self-publishing um, because, you know, for one reason, it's harder to get a book deal. They're turned off by self-publishing. I certainly was. I uh, let go of my agent and returned to self-publishing uh, by choice. Um, and, and then ebooks came along and really changed the game because, you know, they're inexpensive to produce um, and they're easy to, to distribute. So um, the publishing world has changed dramatically, and the wonderful thing about all of this is the control is now back in the hands of the author. And many big-name authors um, have shifted their perspective and gone away from traditional publishing and are taking back control. Now, I will add that I get asked all the time, well, can I just publish it as an ebook?" And my answer to that is no, um, you shouldn't do that. You want a physical book as well. Because though ebooks have been exploding and, and readership has gone up dramatically, it's also leveling out. So what we're finding with our clients is that ebook sales and print book sales tend to pretty much keep pace with each other. So you still want to have that physical book for the people who haven't adopted the e-readers, uh, but also it's a tangible asset. If you're speaking at events, you want a physical book that you can hand people at the back of the room. And if you're reaching out to media and you're wanting to get interviews, the media wants to see a physical book. They're not taking ebook authors as seriously as they are print book authors. So lots and lots of changes have happened recently, Jordan. Where do things stand like five to ten years from now? Will there be a lot of physical books printed by traditional publishers or are going to almost go, go away completely? You know, the fear in the recent years is that they're going away, but I think that fear is settling down. There's still absolutely a need for the physical books. If you think about even certain genres, children's books, there will always be a need for physical children's books. Um, a lot of uh, schools are going to digital textbooks online, but then you're hearing that the students don't really like them. So I think it's all kind of going to shake out. And what's going to change is the number of physical books that are printed. It used to be that a traditional publisher would invest in printing maybe 10,000 copies of a book right out of the gate and keep those in a warehouse and ship them. But with the print-on-demand technology, they don't have to print that kind of quantity anymore. So they can print smaller quantities to meet demand, still deliver books digitally as well. And so, no, I don't believe print books are going away at all. I just think that we're shifting the way that we're going to produce them. And people, many people still want to have that physical book in their hands. And you, you just talked about launching the uh, website related to the book. What are some of the elements you need uh, to make, as you call it, a killer website related to a book? Oh, goodness. Yeah, this is a big issue. Um, I, I used to be a fan of do-it-yourself websites and things like that. But these days, I really think it's a worthy investment to get a great website designer, to put your, a site up in WordPress, make sure it has um, a really professional presence, and includes a blog. And there's some key pages that an author should have on a website. I mean, besides your home page, you want to have an about the author page that gives your bio. You want to have a media page. Now, media people who want to interview you are going to go straight to that page to see, you know, a couple different uh, bios on you, short, medium, long. They're going to look for high-resolution images of you. So you want to make sure you have some professional headshots done, maybe some action shots if you're a speaker or somebody who does something that's um, visually, you know, can be represented visually. You want to have a speaker page. You know, I hear this all the time from authors who, and business owners who want to start speaking. They say, well, how do I get started? Well, you know what? One of the easiest ways to get started is to simply put a speaker page up on your website. List the topics that you speak about. Uh, and as you get out there speaking to, to groups and organizations, ask for testimonials, put those up on your page, put some video of you speaking on that page. That's going to really help you um, get more bookings. And then certainly you need a book page, and the book should have 
um, a synopsis or the sales copy from the back cover of your book. It should have some testimonials if you have them. And always, always, always um, at least a, one link to buy that book, whether they buy it off of Amazon or they buy it from you directly. Make it ridiculously easy for people to buy your book. Um, and then a contact page. And that's another kind of a pet peeve of mine is when I go to a contact page and it's simply a form that I have to fill out, you know, give people an option and give them a link to send you an email directly, give them a phone number to call you and give them a physical address. You know, hopefully if you're in business, you know, even if it's a home-based business, you've got a local post office box, something that you know, gives you a legitimate business, put that up there. You know, it's frustrating to me if I'm reaching out to a, a small business owner or a speaker to maybe speak at one of my events and I go to their contact page and I can't even figure out where they're located. You know, that kind of thing, you want to really want to pay attention to those details. And then you're saying that uh, to get blog, uh, you want to do blogs to attract traffic, similar to what you were talking about before, not related to books, as far as to your business. It's the same kind of thing as far as blogging and, and creating a mailing list, and that'll help sell books as well. No question. Yeah, and that's always the first thing I tell authors to do, get going on that blog, you know, as well in advance of that book coming out as you can. Uh, because you do want to start building that audience, and you want to get comfortable with blogging. It kind of takes a while to get your groove going and to figure out what you're going to write about. So start as early as you can. And by the way, if you're you know just in the stages of maybe even thinking about writing a book, you can blog your book. You can start writing um, you know chapters and sections for your book in a blog. That's very common these days that authors are using their blogs um, as a way to kind of test out their content and then taking that blog content and turning it into a book, which effectively kills two birds with one stone. And don't be afraid that people won't read it because it's all available blog because the opposite is actually true. They've, you've earned their loyalty on the blog. They probably haven't read it from beginning to end and they're going to want to own the book. So yeah, there's some cool things you can do with that author blog. So it's good to give them some free content to get them in, and then they'll be willing, more willing to buy the whole thing, is what you're saying. No question. Free content rules online, definitely. Yeah. Okay. As, as far as coming up with a book in the first place, if you go on to Amazon and see a lot of books around that topic, that might be discouraging to people. You have to find some extra niche that hasn't been done before you do an ebook these days? You do. You definitely want to set your book apart. And and if you think about, let's say you're, you know, if you were to go out and pitch your book to a, to a traditional publisher, they're going to want to know what's unique, what's different um, about your book compared to competing titles. So it's really worthwhile, whether you're traditionally published or self-published, to do your market research. Go out and look at your competing books and figure out how you're going to make your book different or better than that book. It might be that you take a slightly different perspective. It might be that you really narrow the focus of that book. And, you know, there's some things that I've learned that if I could go back in time, I would do differently. I, I had a book several years ago called Leap 101 Ways to Grow Your Business. Well, the book got rave reviews from readers, but it never sold as well as it should. And I'm convinced that that's because it wasn't, it, it didn't have a narrow focus. And if I could do it over again, I would have changed it to 101 ways to grow your consulting business or your service-based business, because that's really who my audience was meant to be, and that wasn't clear in the title of the book. So, you know, figure out how you're going to narrow that down. I took that same approach with um, my new book that's just out last month, the nonfiction book marketing plan. I've had several people say, well, why didn't you just write the book marketing plan? Well, had I done that, first of all, I would have had to address fiction authors and children's book authors and poetry authors, which is a very different approach to marketing than nonfiction books. So by making the book specifically for nonfiction authors, I still cast a broad net, but with a narrow focus, and I've carved out a niche that few others have touched. Very good indeed. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Stephanie Chandler. Uh, she's the author of several books. We've been talking about the nonfiction book marketing plan and also Own Your Niche. Her website is authoritypublishing.com. We'll be back after this.
up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait. They just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Wealth Solutions for the 99% is a weekly talk show focused on helping you develop and execute a game plan to build wealth. Your host, Paula Joy, who built a $50 million-plus company in less than five years, believes it's impossible to be poor in America, and he'll show you why with his innovative strategies. The show is upbeat, fun, and informative. Tune in every Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Stephanie Chandler, uh, the author of two books, uh, Own Your Niche and also uh, the nonfiction book marketing plan. Welcome back to the show, Stephanie. Thanks, Jordan. This is fun. So you've, writ- you've written your book now. You're, you've got the blogs going. How do you make it rise in the, uh, the Amazon and the other online book marketing channels since there's so many books out there competing all the time? There are so many books out there, and this is the biggest challenge for authors. And what I see happen a lot of times is authors put all their time and energy into getting the book completed and kind of getting it launched, and then a month later the frenzy kind of fizzles, and and they're stuck there going, you know, now what? You know, I call it author postpartum. It's kind of like, what do I do now? And so the strategy really should be an ongoing effort. You want to view book marketing as a marathon, you know, and it's something that you should build over time. So you want to do things like, uh, you know, radio interviews. I'm a huge fan of radio interviews, just like what I'm doing with you. I always put myself on a tour when I have a new book out, and I love Internet radio versus traditional radio. You know, with traditional radio, I'm in California. If I want to um, do an interview on the East Coast, i got to get up at 4 in the morning. I'm lucky if they give me 10 minutes of airtime. Um, people are sitting in their cars in traffic. They're kind of half listening. They're not in a position to buy anything. They're probably not going to remember you by the time they get to their office. Um, and with Internet radio, though the audiences may be smaller, they're often more of a niche focus. The audiences are often very loyal. You certainly get a lot more airtime. So um, I encourage authors to get out there, reach out to um, radio show hosts, much like yourself, podcast hosts. Uh, write guest blog posts for other blogs. See if you can get yourself a column with a major um, blog site that reaches your target audience. You know, write for Huffington Post or or I, I write for Forbes. That's been a great outlet for reaching people. Uh, and look for sites within your industry where you can reach your target audience. So there's so many ways that you can get out and start pounding the virtual pavement, so to speak, and and get more visibility. So that's kind of the online marketing. We have a whole chapter on offline marketing tactics. These may be more traditional, but what are some of the ways to market your new book offline? Yeah, well, number one is certainly speaking. I'll tell you, our clients who are doing the most book sales tend to be the speakers. And if you can have that combination of the online presence and the physical uh, speaking presence, you know, around the country, that is a home run. You're going to sell a lot of books that way. People get to know you. Um, But also, you know, mailing out review copies. Don't underestimate the power of doing stuff like that. Um, I've watched a lot of authors really kind of hold their books tight to their chests and they're afraid to, to give them away for free. But by all means, the more people that read your book, the more hands you can get your book into, 
the better. That builds buzz. Uh, mail them out to key contacts. Mail them out to media sources. Mail them out to, to um, your local newspaper reporters, as well as the bloggers who are covering them. You know, let's say you're trying to get a meeting with the CEO of a local corporation, and you haven't been successful. Well, try mailing that that CEO a copy of your book. You know, it's pretty incredible. Um, one of the big offline strategies that I'm always asked about are book signing events. And I'll tell you my personal opinion on book signings is that they are usually a big waste of time. Um, being a former bookstore owner, I can tell you from experience that the average author is lucky to sell eight books at a book signing. And so um, I, I definitely encourage authors to instead focus on being the speaker, being the expert, maybe even bulk sales to a corporation. You know, can a corporation give away your book as a gift at their upcoming employee conference or at their annual trade show? Instead of giving away coffee mugs, can they give away your book as a promotional item? You know, and if you self-publish, you can put their logo on the cover. I mean, there's just so many cool things that you can do to uh, sell books offline as well as off online. So once you've done all this, you say there are other ways, once you've established yourself as an author, your book is selling both online and offline, that you can generate revenue in addition to book sales. What are some of the other spinoff activities that people can do to generate revenue once they've got an established book like that? Yeah, great point. Once you have your audience, you have a huge opportunity to sell them information products. You know, I wrote a whole book about this um, several years ago. Um, things like digital downloads, PDFs, uh, recordings. You can hold online events and paid courses. You know, I've done things like have six-week classes where once a week we meet by teleseminar or webinar. Um, and people will pay premium fees to attend a course like that and, and appreciate the fact that they don't have to travel. Um, I conduct an annual three-day event uh, conference held completely online. It's a, a three-day writer's conference, and we have 15 speakers over three days completely by teleseminar. People love it. Um, the, that event gets recorded. The recordings also become a product that gets sold. So as you're cultivating your audience, uh, you can be creating digital products, online events um, that people are you know, more than happy to pay for. I have a good friend who's an author with his niches in the IT industry. He sells books and digital products to IT consultants, people who own IT companies, and makes thousands of dollars a month on digital downloads simply from digital products because he's built such a loyal audience. It's quite amazing. How about apps? Is that a new area where people can create apps spitting out of your book? You absolutely can create apps. I, I think they're a little bit more risky um, because there are, again, so many, and you've really got to work to make yours stand out. But by all means, apps are a great option. Um, you can find development relatively inexpensively. There's a great site, a couple of great sites for that. I like odesk.com. That's the letter O, D-E-S-K.com, where you can find programmers. You can also use rentacoder.com, rentacoder, C-O-D-E-R.com. And you can get bids from app developers who can help you kind of bring your vision to life. And so there are lots of, I mean, there's, again, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of apps out there. You think there's room for more apps at this point? It really depends. You've, it, you know, like everything else, if you can carve out a niche or find something that nobody else has done yet, um, and, and if you have a big enough audience to really make a splash, that's great, but you're probably going to want to invest in maybe some paid advertising, some Google ads. I see a lot of apps using Facebook ads to reach more people. Um, so I would put some budget behind it and really invest in making it successful. In about two minutes we have left, why don't you kind of sum up what a difference it can make in people's lives if they take your advice, both in the book area and creating your niche, in creating a business that's successful, both financially and rewarding? Well, you know, I'm my own best case study. When I published my first startup book, I had no intentions of doing what I do today. Um, suddenly I was invited to speak and consult, and people wanted to pay me for my advice. And I, and I realized the power of the book and the Internet and what that could create in my life. And really it's kind of led me to the path that I feel like I was meant to be on. So I'll tell you that firsthand these things really work. 
I've created some amazing opportunities in my life and a career that I love, that's flexible, that um, really it just brings a lot of personal satisfaction. So I know firsthand that these things work. I interview people in my books that are doing a lot of the same things and have really learned how to make these things work to your advantage. So I hope that if you take any way, anything away from this, it's that it takes persistent, ongoing effort, but, but these things really do work, and they, they really can have great rewards. Well, terrific. Thanks so much. My guest has been Stephanie Chandler. Her two books are called The Nonfiction Book Marketing Plan and Own Your Niche. Uh, her website, we can find out more about this, is authoritypublishing.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Stephanie. My pleasure, Jordan. Thank you. Thanks again, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management